Hey everyone, just wanted to thank you for listening to Definitely Doomed, the episode by episode Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Also wanted to remind you that each episode of the podcast is a breakdown of each episode of the show, and therefore we have no concern for spoilers and the like. Please enjoy. And you let Buffy go after her? Alone? Let isn't really a factor when she sets her mind to something. You know that. She should get herself killed. It's crazy. Yeah, crazy. And going off alone, half-cocked. Instead of waiting for a much-needed backup, charging in with a big old hand grenade. Oh, wait. This is different. Yeah, it is. Buffy needs something she can fight, something she can solve. I don't know what kind of action you're looking for. Do you? Hey everyone, it's another episode of Definitely Doomed, the episode-by-episode breakdown podcast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that used to take you longer to listen to than it would just to watch the show itself. Joining me in that time-wasting quest, it's your friend and mine on the other line. Yeah. Basil. Uh, hey everyone. Hello, Basil. It's me, Ruben. Yeah. <laughs> We're here. Yeah, we are. Recording this podcast. We're doing it. <laughs> Small talk or just get straight into it? Well, let's get straight into it. Let's, <laughs> All right. Let's do this. All right, so this episode picks up almost immediately after the last one. Uh, left off narratively at least uh, Joyce is in the hospital getting the CAT scans done uh, for the something that she's going on with her and um, while she's in the hospital <coughs> with uh, Buffy and Dawn Riley stops by the Summer's household to see what Buffy is up to finds her not there and Spike being a big creepo um, and, uh, despite that, ma- manages to point out some things that upset Riley, uh, at the same time, the rest of the Scoobies are at the magic box, either helping Giles run the store, or trying to do research on this new big bad that's in town, and, uh, while they're doing that, she shows up to buy some, spell things, but because they don't recognize her, Giles just sells them to her, and <laughs> off she goes. Uh, <laughs> things in hand. Um, Joyce gets her initial test results, and she has a tumor. Um, that it is a tumor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is very upsetting, obviously. Buffy goes to the magic box, to suggest that they um, maybe do something magically to help Joyce and Tara and the rest of the gang say that that's a bad idea um, when Anya, having pieced together earlier, uh, accidentally let slip that Glory came by and bought uh, 
ingredients for a transmogrification spell. Mm-hmm. Buffy runs off to stop it, uh, but even though she's there in time, Glory beats her up easily. Glory makes a big snake with super seeing powers, finds out that Dawn is the key, but Buffy manages to chase it down and uh, kill it before it can get back to Glory. Also, Riley's really upset throughout most of this episode. Either people intentionally upsetting him like Spike earlier, Dawn unintentionally upsetting him, or Xander correctly calling him out for being upset mm-hmm. <laughs> and refusing to talk about it. Yep. What did you think of this episode? Um, I like this episode alright. I feel like it vacillates for me between scenes I like a lot and scenes that I don't care about. <laughs> there are more scenes that I like than don't like, but, you know, the CGI snake's pretty bad, and uh, I feel like there's a certain level, for me at least, in the, the magic shop scenes that's like a little too cutesy goofy for like how serious the rest of the show is like everyone seems like they're like taking it up like an extra notch of like goofiness even than they normally would and i'm like this feels extra out of place compared to everything else that's going on in this episode uh but other than that it's got some good stuff I like this episode too. I'll give it a B. And um, I think it's telling of where my priorities have shifted since I first watched the show because, um, you know, I used to, we already talked about it in the last obvi- episode, obviously, but I used to love Fool for Love and now I have a lot of issues with that. Mm-hmm. And I used to hate this episode just because of the special effects. So I was like, episode can't be good if it has really bad special effects. And now I'm like, eh, who cares? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the stuff with uh, Buffy and Dawn and Joyce is really good. So, mm. it's a good episode. <laughs> yeah, silly snake, who cares? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, the, the close-ups of it are pretty funny to me and yeah. fun. Just like, when it's like a puppet thing instead, yeah. Like <laughs> sticking its tongue out. They should have just stuck with that instead of using the CGI one. Like, just mm. thrown it through the window. <laughs> right. Just dragging it behind it. Tow <laughs> rope down the street. <laughs> <coughs> or it could have just been like, every time it shows a shot of it, it's just gone around an alley, so you just see its tail, like, slither. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. We solved the problem of the bad CGI. Yeah, we should go back and reshoot it and then edit <laughs> it back in ourselves. <laughs> we should um, go to... Uh, Whedon doesn't own the rights to Buffy. It's the... Whatever, the production company. I can't remember, like Kazooie or something. Oh, uh, sure. Sh- shows up at the end that owns the rights. We should just pitch to them to remake the show. Yeah. <laughs> or we should do... Uh, like that... Um, Indiana Jones thing. Spend years and years doing a shot-for-shot shot <laughs> remake of the entire show. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Alright, so uh, I guess we're kicking off the show talking about Glory's awesome and we like her. 
Yeah. She's really good. Uh, um, I really like her impatient cus- customer routine mm-hmm. when she's with yeah. Giles. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> you find everything you're looking for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something about an enormously powerful supervillain doing that and actually deigning to pay for it. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, it's fine. I don't need to start yeah. any trouble. Here's <laughs> some money. That's the less annoying of the two annoying ta- <laughs> ways she could go about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I mean, since it's been a while since we recorded the other episodes, I can't remember exactly how much we talked about it, but it is still an extremely funny idea to, like... Ha- uh, create a character who's like a god and then just like their sense of entitlement is just like filtered through like a like human kind of entitlement of just like <laughs> being like annoyed and impatient for everything and wanting everything exactly your way and no other way. It's a pretty yeah. funny idea. I think she's been described in the past either by people on the show or maybe outside the show as like Cordelia with no human growth. Right. <laughs> but it is kind of like, you know, a natural sort of end game if she is as old as they say, like, and you're just, like, used to getting everything <laughs> for, like, millennia. You'll just be like, yeah, give me what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find her um, little minions kind of annoying, but mm-hmm. they serve the useful purpose of getting a lot of good glory material. Yeah, foil out of her. Yeah, like I mean, I do like the the guy offers oh, the spell, and she's like, "Give it to me," and then he puts out his <laughs> tongue, and she's like, takes the spell out of his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, because he says that yeah. from his spo- uh, speaking or whatever. He's please cut out my tongue, <laughs> and then she's like, "Give it to me." <laughs> and I do like the little bit of acting that he does, where he actually like was saying all that hoping that it would end if she wouldn't follow through on it. So he's, like, a little hesitant when he's supposed to stick out his tongue. It's a good, yeah. it's a good bit of business. But, uh... Yeah, I, I like Elsa at the end of the episode when she's just very annoyed that the snake's not there yet, even though it's, like, actually being extremely efficient. Like, it, it goes to the... Uh, to the playground or you know the merry-go-round and then like straight to the bookshop right after that and then she's like where's the snake <laughs> you promised it would find my key yep um and then i guess we we're gonna talk a bit about um Buffy and Joyce, although I wanted to mention just uh, at least shortly that the early scene where Dawn is asking about cat scans, I think is played perfectly. And it's kind yeah. of, um, it's sad that in that moment, I mean, it's nice in the, in the moment that Buffy can realize, you know, what Dawn is doing, uh, is, you know, reaching out to her that... She mm-hmm. wants to feel connected to 
Buffy in this moment, but it made me sad in a way that Buffy is not going to be able to realize that that's what Riley is doing, even though right. it's the same thing. Similar. Yeah. Right. Similar things. That they're both, yeah. like, acting out because they right. feel hurt and lost. And, mm-hmm. yeah. It is sad. Mm-hmm. But also... Riley's a lot older, though, so... Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it's also... Buffy's got a lot on her plate. It's not really 100% her responsibility. It's true. But I mean, we'll get there. Yeah, when of course. Yeah, yeah. They actually break up. He goes into that a little bit. She's going to make that point, of course. But, um, course. yeah. Probably the best scene in the episode, I thought, is when they're in the x-ray room. And mm-hmm. Joyce says that there's a shadow. Yeah. I uh, highlighted the scene, but I guess I don't know if I have a lot to say about it other than it's very well acted. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I mean, I guess it's sort of harder to talk about something like that. It's just like, this is a sad scene that's, I mean, made all the more sad, I guess, once you already know what all is coming. But, you know, the sort of attempt to grapple with it. I even like the uh, the way that they transition out of the scene. It's pretty cool. It's like um, Buffy like looking at all the charts, at, like a close-up on her face. And uh, and then, you know, Willow uh, back in the magic shop, like an audio of her saying, I wish I knew what we were dealing with or whatever. And they're talking about glory, obviously. But mm-hmm. it's like a good... Uh, I don't know, filmmaking way to tie the two stories, the strands together, and the sort of, uh, they're at least at the start of the show, uh, the episode, both, uh, yeah. things that the Scoobies don't have any idea. And sometimes, how to deal with. unlike, um, other times when you use audio where it could match either scene in order to mm-hmm. transition, in this case, um, it works even better because Willow could be talking about either thing. Like, she yeah. knows about what's going on with Joyce, and she also doesn't know how to help with Buffy. And just the fact that they happen to be researching at that moment and not knowing what to do with that is, you know, just a coincidence of the of the moment of sorts. Sure, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's less so it's not, cutesy yeah. than a lot of wing cuts. <laughs> Including one that happens later in the episode that I can't remember right now. But. <laughs> um, yeah, and I would say kind of like the difficulty of that scene is that I think um, when a parent is in trouble and their child is like there, you know, and the dynamic is shifting as to like who takes care of who, like is very nuanced and strange in real life. And Mm -hmm. the fact that these two actors can sort of, like, nail that, like, of (laughs) Joyce having trouble, like, admitting that she's in trouble, and then, like, Buffy, like, trying to pretend to be strong for the both Mm -hmm. of them is, like, pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and the... I mean, the later scene with 
then when Joyce decides to finally talk to Don about what's going on or whatever, like, it's an interesting sort of, they, they again, like, nail a different kind of thing where it's, like, the older child, like, the curtains pulled back a little bit more, like, when she's talking about how she looks or whatever, like, she's worried about, like, looking like a sick mom that's gonna, like, scare her youngest child and, like, reaching out to Buffy to be like, hey, do I look okay, and et cetera, et cetera. It's like a thing of, like, now, you know? Like, that would be the kind of thing that, you know, uh, when Buffy was younger, she wouldn't do, but now that they've kind of reached this point where she's in an adulthood or whatever, it's like a, now you get to see the humanity of your parents. It's weird. <laughs> it is weird. Um, I don't know if this is what you were talking about, but there's an in what I call an internal weeding cut where Giles is talking about how unpredictable Glory is and how they don't know where she's going to show up next. And he turns around and he's standing right behind her. Yeah, that that is one of them. And then oh yeah, and then the other one earlier on in the episode is when Xander's talking about how. She, you know, sewers, blah, 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 all those places. And yeah. And it comes to her in, like, a super fancy apartment. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I don't know if I have a... Uh, oh, I guess I did kind of want to talk about this scene with uh, with Ben. Yeah. Ben's pretty nice. The only thing, it's from right before that, but my note from that is, remember when cell phones caused cancer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe they still do. People just decided they don't care. <laughs> cell phones are case. too useful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, th I think they still increase your risk of it, but, yeah, people don't. Yeah, whatever. Uh I mean, I guess I know. <laughs> I could go live in that weird place where there's no cell reception for, like, uh, 100 miles or whatever. Listeners so can't can... tell, but I'm rubbing my cell phone all over my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, well, oh, I was going to make a reference to something, but now I don't. Uh it had to do with uh, a movie that I've seen that you haven't yet, so <laughs> I won't do that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I like the way that this handles the sort of, like, um, differing levels of Doctor stuff. Like, I feel like, you know, the guy is, the original Doctor is, like, intense, but mm -hmm. not in a way that feels like, like, shitty about the medical system or, like, shitty yeah. about, like, what a doctor is supposed to do. He like, offers not... her, like, a bit of an out at first and then, like, mm -hmm. because she's, like, I can handle it, then he just, like, goes into it and then he doesn't mm -hmm. pay any attention after that to the fact that she's right. not handling it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that, like, compared to how, like, poor bedside manner is usually written. Like, this is, like, a believable, like, 
way that doesn't, like, make him just seem like an asshole. Like, he's just, you know, doing his job and not being that uh, that attentive or whatever. But... I think the audio effect is stupid, though. Uh-huh. Where, like, he slowly, like, drowns out his words because oh, yeah. Buffy can't hear, hear it. Yeah, it's too yeah. hard to hear. I never liked that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is a, that is a thing that is going to come up uh, on the other podcast <laughs> at our end of the year thing. It's a little teaser for dual listeners, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, but uh, but I also like the the sort of counterpoint that Ben provides or whatever also like that you know in a way I mean it's a uh I don't know like I've been going to the doctor more recently than I ever had because now I finally have health insurance and my experience with it generally has been pretty overwhelmingly positive like People seem, like, pretty on top of their stuff. They seem really nice. It's pretty efficient. I mean, it's not... Like, I have a whole lot of issues with the medical industry, but almost none of them are, like, issues with the people helping me. <laughs> like, yeah, it's more about the, you know, like, wow, all the terrible costs and the bureaucracy and everything else that's, like, convoluted and bad but like I feel like uh people's frustrations with that system like in media can sometimes be portrayed as like frustrations with like the specific people in a way that feels unfair to me (laughs) based (laughs) based on my own small experience but just soapboxing now (laughs) That's fine. Else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I mean, it's come up a lot before, but I guess so. Uh, it's important right after that or whatever that uh, Buffy does the dual thing. She shuffles off, uh, opening up to Riley, even though that's what he wants, <laughs> and then tells her tells Riley to lie to Dawn. He's, <laughs> She's doing all the closing off without giving the other people <laughs> a chance. Mm-hmm. But gotta lie to people to protect them. <laughs> That's what Joyce taught her. Yep. Ruben's rubbing his head <laughs> with his phone again. No, I'm not. <laughs> He's shaking his head no, because that's not what Joyce does. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Riley takes Dawn to the merry-go-round, and while I'm not in favor of merry-go-round scenes, it's a, uh-huh. it's a, just a very common metaphor for, like, Childhood, nostalgia, and stuff like that. (laughs) That and empty playgrounds. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a nice... Empty swing. Yeah. (laughs) It's a nice scene between the two of them with uh, 
Clouds of Sils Maria vibe of mm-hmm. how people can hurt other people's feelings when they're actually not trying to hurt them at all. Right. <laughs> when they're trying to be nice. Yeah. In this case, yeah. it's even trying to be nice. They're not even just, like, trying to explain their opinion. They're trying to... And, I mean, it is... There is a kernel of niceness here. It's just not <laughs> what Riley wants to hear at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Because his perception is skewed about what constitutes for Buffy an adult relationship. Like, he has a he has a conception of what being in a relationship looks like to her and what she wants out of a boyfriend. So then he takes it, the fact that she doesn't get emotionally worked up and upset about him as not caring about him. It's pretty silly, Riley. Yeah. Especially because she specifically told him that that was what she didn't want in Doomed. Right. <laughs> she was like, I don't, she's like, my last boyfriend, the reason why I don't want to date you is because it was all, you know, apocalypse all the time. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, she still doesn't totally act right. <laughs> towards Riley. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, like, there's a difference between not being upset about your boyfriend relying on them and taking them for granted, which right. is a bit what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, yeah. that's also kind of a little bit par for the course for Buffy, taking people for granted. It's true. There's a lot for everyone, so... Flaw she needs to work on. It's true. And I do like at least, uh, going back to the merry-go-round thing, at least, it it is nice that they have, like, that she's wistful for, like, a pretty bad memory. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that, like, I feel like that's... uh, uh, a way in which the show is like able to kind of like navigate sentimental territory, but like pull it back enough that it feels kind of fresh or whatever. It's like, cause yeah, you can like when you feel sad about like a person, you can even remember things that were dumb and bad at the time, but then still feel sad about not having those experiences. I don't know. And of course this scene has that extra layer of that being a totally false memory that never happened. It's true. (laughs) And Riley doesn't know that yet, right? No, it's just Buffy and Giles. That's what I thought. At this point. Yeah. Joyce is the next one to find out. I don't... Riley might not even find out before he leaves. Right. Not positive, uh, though. Mm. But yeah, it's a strange thing. It's like, it's a good job those key makers did. Yeah. Like the Matrix, you can't make utopic memories. You gotta throw some bad ones in there. (laughs) Right. Otherwise they won't buy it as human. See right through it. Suffering's the only thing that's real to people. (laughs) That's what Agent Smith taught me. (laughs) 
there. And then... I mean, those are the uh, major scenes. I yeah. and you know, note that I have, I'm annoyed with the glory fight improv jokes. It's not my, oh, not yeah. my thing. No, yeah, I think she sells it better than it deserves for <laughs> sure. But it's not great writing. <laughs> yeah, but I. It is a funny uh, way to do the choreography or whatever, like. It's a, it makes, I'm sure it makes it easy on the stunt people that, you know, like, she's just so impossible to hurt that she's just, like, very casually just <laughs> <laughs> twisting her arm, punching her in the stomach, tossing her away. Yeah. Doesn't have to make it look like she's trying. Yeah, her first line, which I can't remember, uh, um... Is good. I like that one. She's oh. like, oh, yeah. what are you just like punching people? <laughs> them mm -hmm. looking or something? Can't oh, remember. yeah, because she's like, yeah, she says that it's not fair to <laughs> sneak up on her like while she's in the middle of a sentence and trying to do a spell. And then when when she, when Buffy hits her head against the wall, she says, ow, in a pretty funny way. <laughs> ow. <laughs> Yeah, like she's more imposed upon than actually hurt. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's so rude. That's true. And sad everybody montage. Mm hmm. Over some music. It's a sad season, season five and six. Mm -hmm. The sad seasons. Of sadness. Yeah. <laughs> Fine by me. They're pretty cool. Anything else you want to say about this episode? Mm, not really. I mean, well, Willow mansplains transmogrify. <laughs> Which splains? Like yeah. They say the word like four times before she's like, that's when you transform something into something else. I was like, I feel like almost everyone through context would have figured it out by now. But Yeah. If the it come out like two years later, it would have been after like three Harry Potter movies, and then they would have known they didn't have to explain what transmogrify means. It's true. Like Professor McGonagall's class. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Can you imagine all the... Harry Potter references that would be in Buffy that would come out just a few years later. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a book reference. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, there's a Harry Potter reference uh, earlier in this season, but there maybe only been one or none movies out yet at this yeah. point. So it was big, but not as big as it was going to become. Yeah. Joyce tells uh, Buffy to take Dawn to get books and Buffy's like, I'm going to the magic box, so I can't take any books. And Dawn's like, yeah, I'm not going to Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyways, facts. This episode marks the death of Sandy, vampire sired by Vamp Willow, and season three's Doppelgangland. Aw. R.I.P. Sandy. 
It's the first time we hear the name Glorificus. Apparently. She was just like that lady before the beast. Nice. <laughs> This episode cements Terra's usefulness. After a while, with no real contribution to the theorems of plants, she even describes herself, along with Dawn, as a non-Scooby in Real Me. She makes a breakthrough by suggesting that research is useless because the demon predates the written world. Nice. Uh, that just reminded me of Haley sent me a bunch of stuff she was reading about evolutionary psychology, <laughs> the usefulness thing or whatever. It's all about relationships and, like, mate usefulness and mate value or whatever. And I was like, these are weird words. <laughs> yeah. That's the point of evolutionary psychology, but... It's all a bunch of bunk anyway. It's the <laughs> yeah. worst part of psychology. <laughs> yeah, it seems pretty terrible, but... Anya's fear of bunnies comes up again. Yep, sure does. This is the first time that Buffy punches an enemy so hard she perforates its innards, causing her fist to be covered in its guts. <laughs> the first but not the last, yeah, I take it? But... Yeah. She would do this again in normal again. <laughs> nice. Sometimes you gotta take out that grief aggression. <laughs> Poor snake. When asked... About his opinion on the computer-generated snake used in this episode, writer David Fury says he was originally envisioning it as something amorphous, bug-like, something non-human looking. It was Marty Noxon who came up with the idea of using a reptile. I don't know that something bug-looking would have looked better. I feel <laughs> like a snake is a little bit easier to CGI <laughs> with limited budget. Yeah, but if it was something that doesn't look like anything, then can you really critique it for looking fake in CGI? <laughs> That's, That's a good point. In French, this is called incantation. In Brazilian Portuguese, it was called assombra, which means the shadow. And in German, it was called schatten, which means shadow. I think Shadow's the a good title for it. When Buffy fights Glory at the zoo and later when she returns to the magic box, she's wearing heeled boots, but in between at the hospital she's wearing jogging shoes. Nice. <laughs> she put her fighting boots on, but then she had to take them off yeah. for the hospital. <laughs> This episode, while not technically Joyce-centric, does focus heavily on her. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that one from the previous time. A CAT scan is a form of medical imaging that actually takes a very short amount of time, as with a scan of the head, and is often done as an outpatient procedure. Such a scan is not itself a reason for an overnight stay at a hospital, as the previously dialogue suggested is. This is moot, however, as the scan we see Joyce undergoing in the cold open is an open MRI machine, possibly for an MRI of the brain, not a CAT scan machine. While either would be appropriate to suss out the causes of the symptoms Joyce suffered, the dialogue doesn't match the mach machinery scene in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. 
can't get that CAT scan joke, though. Yep. And an MRI machine is much more ominous looking. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe using your podcast listening application and give us a five-star rating review on iTunes. And uh, if you thought we had anything else to say about Shadow, you were and are myth-taken. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.